And it was through acting training that I realized what true Christianity is. True Christianity, true Christianity is understanding that regardless of the mess you feel you are, there is grace available. Eita Brasil, tá comigo? New York, I know you have What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of La Mezcla. My name is Adrian Burke, or Adrian Burke, for my South Americans in the audience. Uh, I am the creator and host of this show. Uh, if it's your first time tuning in, thank you for being here. If you're an OG fan, thank you for returning. Uh, we got a really great episode for you this week, so let's get right into it. Our guest today is the wonderful, wonderful Raji Asan. Raji is a New York-based uh, actor and communication coach. Uh, he graduated from NYU's Tisch School of the Arts in 2013. He's worked all over the place in TV and in theater, both in uh, New York in off-Broadway shows and in regional productions all over the country. Uh, he is of uh, mixed Egyptian and Indian descent, and we had a really cool conversation about uh, about his journey to this country, his family's journey to this country, about uh, making a life as a creative human on either coast of the United States, and about the role that faith plays in both his life and his art. This one got more uh, overtly religious than any other episode we've had, and I kind of love that. This is a totally new flavor for us here at La Mezcla, so please... Uh, give Raji some love on every social media platform. Check out his website, da 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 da, and please enjoy this episode. Do your Geico commercial. Geico, fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. That was actually really good. <laughs> That's what I. Do you do voiceover stuff? Not yet. You'd be great at it. I really want to start doing it. Well, too. one of us, whoever gets in first, should help the other one. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's not really, I don't know if that's really a thing in voiceover. I have a good friend. Who's, I just mean like, oh, I know this contact. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I have a friend who's like, makes most of his money in mm-hmm. voiceover. He's like the voice of Miller Lite. Oh, good for him. So I'm like, God damn. Like, I, I, I just want to get one of those like juicy gigs. That I know. Can, that can like pay my rent for I a know. year. Do you know who Julia Murney is? No. She, she's, she's an actor in town, um, Broadway and a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she owns her apartment because of all of her voiceover stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. for the longest time, she was like, it's gift time at Macy's. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, coming sure. up next on NBC. If like, there's anybody who, who hires people for voiceover <laughs> listening to this, I'm sure there is. Hello. Somebody among my mom's <laughs> friends, uh, which is the name of my fan base, is my mom's friend. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I should apologize. Why? I love sour cream. Oh, I, you're, you're, <laughs> I love sour cream. You're fine. Okay. It's, I disagree with you, but you're fine. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> but I thank you for immediately uh, pulling out evidence that you have listened to the show. That's why I said it. Most people who come on the show have never listened to it. Aw. It's oh, a no, good it's show. Fine. Oh, and I was going to say earlier, you are recording, are you not? I am, yes. Great. This is on the record. Good. You're a fantastic host. Oh, and stop I know, it. I mean, I know this is just a conversation, but you're very good at it. You're very, very good at it. Thank you. And you should know that. Yeah, I don't know you. if people have told you that, but you're very good at I've it. I've gotten some. I've gotten some good feedback. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I, I try to. I try to pride myself on uh, on being a good listener. You are. 
Thank you. You're welcome. We're done here. (laughs) (laughs) It's over. Okay, so why don't we actually start the fucking thing? Uh, uh, Hello, Raji. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Welcome to La Mezcla. Uh, Gracias. Let's start start, uh, the way I start all of them. Just uh, introduce yourself to my mom's friends uh, and give us your... Like where you're from, where your parents are from. If there's a mix, what's the mix? Okay. Uh, just give us your deal, your whole deal right okay. now. I am from the greater Los Angeles area, mm-hmm. technically Orange County, but I don't like to tell people that because it comes with a stigma, you know. Um, what, what would you say that stigma is? Uh, you got, oh, let's go to the beach. Let's mm-hmm. hang out and do nothing. Sure. You want to sure. hang 10, bruh? Like yeah. that's, those are my people. Sure. Um, I mean, as someone <laughs> as someone from New York, you do have a very Cali vibe. And I'm not, do I really? Yeah, I'm not saying that in a in at all. In not a in a, no, 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 it's not pejorative. You have like it. a you have a very like you have a easiness about you. You at, the, at least you come off mm. as being like very comfortable in your own skin. That that's Brene Brown mm. and my faith. Okay. <laughs> not right. California. Fair enough. Fair enough. I see. I being a jaded New Yorker attribute all of that to, to being, if being to California. In the sun. Sure, I understand that. Uh, in California, that that's a thing, and I think it's fake. I think that's totally fake. It's a put on. Totally, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Regardless of your city of origin, I think sure. if you seem sorry, specifically in Los Angeles, I think it's I think it's totally put on. Mm. Um, anyway, so I'm from the greater LA area, specifically Orange County. Um, my mom's house is so close to Disneyland that if you're positioned correctly on the street, you can see the fireworks at night. Like Whoa. that, I went to Disneyland every Sunday after church when I was a kid. Oh my god! Uh, Disney is a huge part of my soul and upbringing. Wow, it's very important to me, which is kind of weird, but I love it. That's actually it's actually not weird. Statistically it. speaking, it's not weird at all. I can. I mean, there's there's like a deeply spiritual reason too, which I can get into. Sure. But um, my mother is from Cairo, mm-hmm. Egypt. And uh, my f- biological father, I refer to him as my biological father. I don't refer to him as my dad or my father or anything like that. Um, maybe one day I will. I'm, I'm open to it. I, right now I don't want to. All right. I can get into that as well. But he is from Bangladesh. And my parents, they met, I want to say 1989. And my mother was working for a travel agency. He, they got together. <laughs> this is where is this in California? This is in Cairo. Okay, got it. And um, my whole goal on this thing was not to say um. I was going to be so present that I wasn't going to say um or oh like or anything. Stu- you're a human being. I'm a human being. I, um, I, um, even, um. Even when I was a kid, whenever people would like teachers or parents would be like, "You say like too much. You say um." I'm like, oh, well, okay. Like the language is fluid. We're all human beings. Right. Yeah. Let's just. <laughs> yeah. Let's just be people. Um, my so my mom's a travel agent, and he was I think a client of hers, mm-hmm. and so like I said, they got together, sure. and sure. he was married to somebody else okay. to whom I believe he is still married, and so he went out on that woman with my mom. And when my mom fell pregnant, he's Muslim. My mom was raised in a very uh, Coptic, Orthodox, very religious family in Cairo. Okay. When she fell pregnant out of wedlock by a Muslim man, they Which said... Which Coptics are a Christian yes, sect, right? Yes, yeah, I okay. think it, it's very similar to... I want to... I mean, it's Coptic Orthodox. So it's right. like... It's Orthodox. So there's... You have the... Um, 
the ritual and the rules and that kind of stuff. Yeah, my so, buddy, my buddy Alex Riyad, who was on the show, uh, he's half Egyptian, and his Egyptian half of the family they're Coptic. As yeah, well. exactly. It's very much like Catholicism or um, being Episcopalian. Think those kinds of things. Right. Um, they, my mom's family, said to her, "Because you are an unmarried, because the father is Muslim, you either get rid of it or leave." Hmm. And so she chose not to have an abortion, and she left. She left Cairo and went to Los Angeles, where there is one family member who said to her, come and stay with me. And so she went and stayed with him for four months, the first four months of the pregnancy. And his mother said to him, you have to get her out of this house. She's a disgrace to us. She has no husband. Isn't that real Christian? Sheesh. That's very Christ-like. Yeah. Not at all. Um, and it, it makes me very angry, as well it should. But anyway, so they got, they got her out of the house. They, didn't, they told her to pack her bags and didn't say where she was going. And they dropped her off at a shelter in downtown Long Beach to ride out the, last, the, the next five months of the pregnancy. And then I was born in 90, July of 90, and my mom had nowhere to go. They said... The, the shelter said, you can't have a kid here. This is just for pregnant moms. And my mom was attending a, a nearby church. The shelter would take these ladies uh-huh. to church. And the pastor stood my mom up in front of the congregation and said, this is a woman who needs a home, and she can't go back to Egypt because her family won't take her. Is there anybody in the congregation who can open up their home? Wow. Uh-huh. And um, a woman named Joyce, a Caucasian woman named Joyce, went up to my mom and said, I, I have a room. Why don't you come and stay with me? And we stayed there for te- almost 10 years. Holy shit. Yeah. And Joyce became my grandma. She was my best friend for, I mean, my whole life. And she passed um, two years ago. And, but, I mean, I can totally steer that into this conversation because I was raised by a Caucasian woman. That's so interesting. In... Orange County, California, and all of my friends were white, and I went to an all-white school, mm. and there was one, <laughs> there was one other Indian person in the school, and I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm Indian by, like, technicality and biology, mm-hmm. but I don't feel it. Sure. Because my father and I have zero relationship, and when we did have a relationship, he was sexually abusive to me. Shit. So, why would I identify with that? Right. Do you know what I mean? So you're like you're associating that entire half of your totally. culture with that specific experience. Yeah, I ha- less less uh-huh. every day. Sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but right, I mean, right, right. it's certainly a part of like it's a part of the past. It's definitely a part of the story that I am very willing to share hmm. because sexual abuse survivors we, they just can't be silent. Mm. You can't be. You, you. We must all speak up. We have to speak up. We have to bring light to those issues so they don't fester and become other things in our lives. Yeah. You know, which is why I have no problem sharing it because I know that I hope somebody, I hope someone's going to listen to this and think uh, maybe I should. You know. Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that. That's a beautiful it's, thing. It's my pleasure. It's totally my pleasure. Um. Anyway, 
where was I? Uh, so we're in your hometown. You're being oh raised, yeah 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 uh, yeah 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 very okay. white town. There's so like that's one, why, one so other Indian kid. See what I mean? You're a very good listener. Yeah, baby. If you can go back, oh, that's so good. That's I just so I good. try. I don't know. I try. I mean, I come. We've known each other a while, and like I come out of like the. We both come out of the acting world, but mm-hmm. I come a little bit more out of the comedy world, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of. It's a lot of talking it's a lot of talking mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel like mm-hmm. new york mm-hmm. in general is a lot of talk. i try to pride myself on i i realize i'm saying this as i'm talking a lot, <laughs> but, but i try to pride myself on listening more than i speak yes yes me too but since i'm the guest today oh this I'm is about you oh this is about um, you so that's why i i have a hard time identifying as indian even though i technically am mm-hmm. anyway um so being in that community with all white friends and Joyce was my grandmother. I called her my grandma, and my grandma was white, and her family was white. Mm. In my brain, I'm just a, I'm just a white kid. In my yeah. brain. Oh, the Indi- the other Indian kid at school. Her name is Arti, Arti Venkatesh. Uh-huh. And because there were two of us, <laughs> people always thought we were brother and sister, or we were dating, mm. or both. Because children are just like, are you guys brother and sister? You dating? Are you both? Like, what's going on here? Um, kids are such assholes. It's, <laughs> fifth that, graders. That's become a huge recurring theme of this show of like how horribly cruel children sure. are sometimes. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, yeah, yes. Um, and I didn't really, I didn't really start to. I mean, I still have to remind myself I'm a person of color. Mm. I, I, every day I have to, I have to remind myself that I'm not just like a white guy. And I didn't really start to become aware of that until I started auditioning professionally. Interesting. Because there are so many roles for which I cannot be seen. Right. Because they're looking for someone who looks like you, even though they don't know that you're Peruvian. What my deal is, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they don't know you're Peruvian. It's all about optics. It's yes, all about first, first impression. Uh, 100%. Absolutely. There are, I, I, I'm arrogant enough <laughs> to say that I believe that as an actor, I'm good enough to, to feel like if I could go in for every white leading male on Broadway, I'd probably have had my Broadway debut by now. Mm. But, but because, I mean, it's, it's starting I don't know. There's like a whole bunch. Just like on the one hand, there are more pieces, theatrically, television, film, for people who look specifically like me, which is good. And then on the other hand, I feel like casting is is starting to open up their understanding to like, why don't we give it to the best actor? Yeah, I, I see. So what you're both, saying. so both of those things are coming up, which is good. And I want, I want. I understand people of color in the in the business, just in the world, but specifically in the business of which we are a part. We need representation. Period. I don't mean like agents. Yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> we also need agents, like on screen and behind the camera. Yeah, the we just yeah we need to be we need to be in the conversation for sure. Um, and, but I don't want personally. This is my feeling. Yeah. I, I don't want more plays about Indian people. Mm. I want to see Indian people playing Evan Hansen. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I've had this. Do you know what I mean? I've had, exactly. I've had this discussion with a couple of people on the show before, and just like in bars <laughs> at places. <laughs> sure. But it's like we're. I think we're in still in this uh, quasi transitional period mm-hmm. where it's become like almost. Uh, I think I referred to it once as like a. A, a Girl Scout badge of mm-hmm. like the diversity thing for established companies, theater companies, film production companies, da da da. da. Like it, it's it's become this like badge that people can like. Oh, we're we're diverse, we, right? That we can wear, we can put on our website, we can like say in a press release, like we're diverse. We made this thing that's featuring this type of human. Mm-hmm. Look how great we are. Uh, and I don't think like. I don't think we're at the point yet where where we're necessarily doing what you're describing, which is we're just telling stories mm-hmm. and we're giving the best people the opportunities to be a part of that, regardless of their, of their yeah. race, ethnicity, totally, uh, gender, sexual orientation. Whatever. Right, exactly. It's a, I don't know. Yeah, well, you know. I... <laughs> It'll all get fixed. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> the... Okay, so... I, there's a dilemma in my brain yeah, please. where if I very rarely, very rarely have sat behind the table in an audition mm. just because I'm so new to this industry professionally. I have not had anybody, I've not had anything to put out into the world. So oh, come audition for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope to very soon. Um, but I can't imagine what it's like to be in the position of, I don't know, Bernie Telsey or mm. Tara Rubin or, Michael Casera, <clears throat> where like okay, so I just did. I didn't just. This is a year New, ago. New York theater heads will recognize <laughs> those. Names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot uh, of my mom's friends will be like, "Who are those people?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are New York casting directors. Yeah, but um, like big theater casting directors. Yes, yes. A year ago at this time, I did Peter in the Starcatcher mm. and played Blackstash. Yes, I remember. Yeah, and apparently, according to my representation, <laughs> I was the, I was the first Indian to play. Black stitch. Oh God! Um, I had a I I, lo- I had a wonderful time. Yeah, I, yeah, I had a, yeah, I had a, such a, I had a, such a. And the guy that went in for the where was it the callbacks? The guy that went in before me was like, I mean, I'm like a cute five nine and a quarter. Okay, I'm not like <laughs> a cute five nine, nine and, and a quarter. quarter. I've always wanted to be like six two. Yeah, and and white. <laughs> oh, sure. But I am learning to accept the way that I was made because there's just one me, you know. And that's actually the truth. I know it sounds pat, but no, clear, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so the guy that went in before me was really tall and really built and really white. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, well, he'll probably get the job. Um, And then I went in and just had a lot of fun and then got the job. And I feel like in that that respect, it's like the actor who was most right for the job got the job. Mm. But I can't imagine what it's like if you're – and that was at a, a, a smaller theater out of town. But if it's if you're casting for something on Broadway, and you have to think about the money, yeah, and what's going to sell tickets, mm-hmm. do you go with the Caucasian actor who we know, or the actor of color? You know, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, when financial trouble... interests are involved, it, like, it, yeah. it gets a lot messier, especially on sure. something on the scale of Broadway. And hopefully, the idea is that the 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 better choice or the more quote unquote diverse choice becomes the more financially viable option. I don't think we're completely there yet, but also in, in terms of Broadway and like commercial theater, it's becoming more about like, okay, what TV star can we put in it so that the show can get made in the first place? Yeah. 
I think what I'm really trying to say is my prayer is that the best choice financially, artistically, does come down to the person of color. Yeah. And I think that when the person of color recognizes the struggle, I mean, there is definitely a struggle, right? Um, and allows that struggle to be present in the work, mm. perhaps that will be the case. Yeah. Because you're pulling from something, from something real mm. and using the real thing. That's just a thought. I could be wrong. No, I mean, it yeah. sounds, it all sounds good to me. I'm also like, not, I'm also <laughs> truly not involved in the theater world that much anymore. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm learning from you. I like don't have a ton, oh, well. a ton to add. What so else would you like can to we, know? Let's go back to, let's go back to uh, like middle schoolish, yeah. high schoolish years. Uh, let's okay. talk about like what kind of crowd you're on. Cause I'm fascinated by this idea that like at this point in time, you, you're like truly feeling like a white kid. I'm mm. just like really, I'm really fascinated by mm -hmm. that feeling. Mm -hmm. Cause I almost had the mirror image feeling as a kid, which was like, I did not feel like a white kid, but I am definitely a white kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I totally felt like a, all, I mean, I did not have one friend mm. that was brown. And were you, were you performing from a young age? Were you like, like doing plays and stuff? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. And I was the only brown kid. I was also the loudest kid. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now having sat through a lot of, um, Prayer, reflection, and analysis. Okay. I feel like the loudest kid, uh, the reason I was the loudest kid is because there was a wall mm. and I didn't want people uh, really seeing me. Mm. Um, but so I got the most attention, which is backwards and ironic, like weird, in a, in a, but like I didn't get it for the right reason. Anyway, I was the loudest kid. I was the, I, I don't even really know how to answer the question. Yeah, I was in my brain, I was white and... There was no, like, I didn't, I, when my mom would want to go to the Arabic store mm -hmm. in Orange County, right next to Disneyland, yeah, I would kick and scream. Yeah. I yeah, fought yeah. that. I, I, I fought that big time. I was like, I'm not time, going there. I don't want to go there. I'm not those people. I stopped wanting to speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. I would like, not refuse, but I would be really a dick about calling my abuela because I didn't want to like, because I was insecure about mm -hmm. Spanish and my connection to her and sure. stuff. So I would like resist calling her still sometimes do if I'm being completely I, honest yes, with I you, have a difficult time. Friends. I have a difficult time speaking with my mom's mom, mm. her biological mom on the phone. Yeah. Because her English is very limited. Right. And she speaks Arabic. And my Arabic, I know two words, and they both mean sit down and be quiet. Yeah. You know? And then you have this, like, weird, both of you are silent. And, like, you yes, both, you and you're both like, kind of want to connect conversation? with each other. Yeah. I call it abuela anxiety. It's a, yes. it's a real thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a very real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, but I, I'm just fascinated by that. I think just growing up here mm -hmm. really, uh, it, it just... It, you really feel a need to to belong so hard that you just yeah. really kind of like fade in so hard that you want to like smooth out everything about yourself so you mm -hmm. so you are just like everybody else like sure. we would take trips to Peru and I would immediately want to come home like I mm -hmm. would sit in the uh, bedroom on the second floor of my grandma's apartment and just oh, wow. like not want to do anything it was really bad do you speak uh, fluent Spanish yes that's yeah. my first language really yeah 
Oh. Because my dad, even though he was a white dude, he, he, he was raised in Spain, so he spoke uh, fluent Spanish as well. Where did your parents meet? Uh, in uh, they worked at the same bar restaurant in mm-hmm. the on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And your mother is is from Peru. Yeah, straight off the boat plane. And <laughs> and your dad is from. Uh, he he was from kind of all over. Well, he's dead. Uh, oh he my was, gosh. Oh yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I've mentioned it on the show a couple times. Oh, okay. If you really listen. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, also something I'm very like open about. Um, uh, but they he was born in Boston. And then, and his parents uh, had split, and it's a whole, that whole side of the family is a whole story. I hope none mm. of them are listening to this. <laughs> uh, it's a whole thing. So but, it's your mom's friends, the fan base, not your dad. Like, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, single, I was raised by a single mom, so I oh. like, <clears throat> I kind of, uh, I kind of am constantly thinking in those terms. But he was born in Boston, and then he, he like grew up in Spain with his mom, like up until high school, and then moved with uh, to be with his dad in Minnesota and went to oh. high school in Minnesota oh. and then like moved back to the East Coast. I don't know. It was like a very weird upbringing, but huh. like he very like worldly mm-hmm. uh, upbringing. So he spoke fluent Spanish, which was part of why they hit it off, I think. Yeah. Well, at least, I mean, at least you went to Peru. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't. Well, also my mom couldn't really leave the country. There's like this whole, there's a whole thing about that. My mom applied for citizenship in 91 or at least she applied for a green card in 91 mm-hmm. and she didn't get approved until 2009 wow it was a long 91 to 2009 long time so my Holy mom she, my mom said that i'm just not going to risk it which she's on a green card now or mm-hmm. she's a citizen she's on a green card okay um and she said i'm not going to risk it and just leave the country yeah and so i've i've, I've never been to cairo wow. and I've, I've never been to india and like and thinking about going to india I mean, fills me with, it's like, <laughs> fright. Yeah. You know. I know that, I know exactly that feeling. Even though I have traveled there, I still, every time I go, there's a, uh, a certain, the, the fear in my head is the, the fear of, like, fraudulence. Mm. Of, like, someone, of people there, which never happens, but mm. of people there looking at me and, like, thinking, being like, oh, you're oh. a poser, basically. Like, you're a fraud. Like, you don't belong here. Yeah. Kind of. I would. Yes, I would. I f- would feel that my fear of going to India and seeing Indian, specifically Indian men, is just being reminded of my father over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't. I've never thought of Indian men as attractive men, mm-hmm. which would make sense based on what happened to me. Um, and so I have it looking in the mirror and saying, oh, that's an attractive person. Like, romantically, someone's going to desire that person has been very hard for me. Mm. Very, very hard for me. And I feel as though if I were to, like, total disclosure, anytime I get in, in an Uber or a Lyft or a cab and an Indian guy is driving it, I have to deal with that whole thing. Shit. Mm-hmm. And say, like, this guy, okay, this guy is not my father. The God that I believe in loves this driver as much as I am loved. We are equal. We are the same. This person is romantically desirable. I'm romantic. You know, like, Mm. there's all of this mental, this constant conversation that I'm having to say, you are not your father. You are not your father. Mm. 
And I feel that if I went to India to visit, it would be, it, it would just be so mentally exhausting yeah. and emotionally exhausting that I wouldn't be able to enjoy it. Yeah. So I'm waiting until, I mean, that's a lie. I'm not waiting for anything. I mean, perhaps I'll go one day. Perhaps yeah, I, you go if and when you're ready. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cairo, on the other hand, I would, I would love to go to. Hmm. I would love to visit. My mom is going in a couple of weeks, actually, with her family. Um, I guess that's my family, too. <laughs> <laughs> She's going with our family to see her mother. Um, that I would really love to do. And anytime, nine times out of ten, I'm auditioning to play an Indian person. I'm never auditioning to play a Middle Eastern person. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And Why do you think that is? Because I look more Indian than Middle Eastern. Yeah. My skin is darker than my mom's. Um, I have more of an... People, when they meet my mom, they say, oh, my God, you look so much like your mother. And I always go, thank God. <laughs> my, I mean, my mom is, like, objectively beautiful. Mm. Like, I, I can show you a picture later. But, like, the woman is objectively gorgeous. My father, on the other hand... Maybe he is. I don't know. Um, it's like it's a it's a real Jay Z Beyonce situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No shade, please don't. Uh, I, there's you no can way, send all your letters to me. There's it's no fine. way Jay Z will literally ever know who I am as Not, long as I live. You, you but don't know that. I don't know that. Knock on wood. <laughs> Just knocked on wood. <laughs> but um, let's all be honest with ourselves here. Sure, Beyonce, Jay Z. I'm trying. How could I? I'm trying to think of my my steps to Jay Z. Okay. I could get there in like four steps, I think. To to Jay-Z knowing, knowing who you are? Yeah. That's, I, I can't even fathom the, I don't think, I don't think I could get there in less than 10. Okay. So you know how I have a talk show? Do you know this? I have a, yes. Yeah. Making Bruise making and Pain. Making Bruise and Pain dudes. So our first guest was Stacey London, right? Uh -huh. She's my avenue to everybody. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I just go, Stacey London, Whoopi Goldberg, everybody else. Everybody. <laughs> the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Tell um, us about, tell us about Making Bruise and Pain oh. dudes. Plug, plug, plug. Oh, okay. Um, I graduated from NYU in 2013. Yeah, we haven't even talked about New York at all. Yet. Oh, yeah. Well. Um, we'll go there after this. Okay. Uh, I graduated NYU in 2013, and then I didn't start auditioning professionally until 2000, the end of 15, because I couldn't get a rep. Mm -hmm. And I also, at the time, Odin ready for a rep. I just said, wouldn't. Wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, your accent is all over the place. I'm all over the place. Um <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't ready for representation. And so that was a good thing that they all said no. And I ended up working in a cafe in my neighborhood in Brooklyn mm. for almost five years. I went from bar back to manager. Mm. And I fell in love. I fell in love with the people at that job. I had a, I had a love hate relationship with getting up at 5 30 in the morning. Sure. It was the worst. I've been thinking about becoming a barista, but, really? I, but I have no experience. So if you have any advice, I have plenty of it. You let me know after yeah. this. Yeah, totally. Or we could spend the remainder of this podcast We're talking about with, coffee. With you training me. <laughs> sure. How to pull a good shot. Um, and uh, there was a day towards the end of, the, of my time at that cafe, which is, just closed, actually, Smith Canteen. R.I.P. Yeah, I know. Um, where I thought there's got to be a way to take where I am now and where I want to go and overlap them. Mm. There has to be a way. And I thought, and I've always, I love talking and I love listening and I, I love, I, I love communication. I can tell you're a great conversationalist. Thank you very much. And I, we haven't even hung out that much. We've made, we should hang out. We should hang out more. We should. I think we we've, should. we've maybe hung out, uh, four times total all through Lita Darmian. Shout out to Lita Darmian. <laughs> 
You say her name, and I could I could weep. I just texted her this morning. Is she, there's no one. <laughs> Friend of the show, former guest, Lena Darmian. There's there's no one in my life that is as support. I mean, I have a lot of supportive people. There's no one supportive like that. Mm, I agree. And she, I, I've known she her a fraction do, of the time that you have. She will do anything she can to come see me wherever I am working. Mm. And it means, it just means the world to me. Oh, my God. I love her so much. And the very first day of school, I'm going off on a tangent. I'll go back to coffee no, in a on, second. Go on the tangent. <laughs> the very first day of school at NYU, um, I was like, oh, that person kind of looks like me. Even though, like, in my brain I thought I was white. Mm-hmm. I know physically what I look like. Sure. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I know physically what I look like. I yeah. look like a big Ben Folds fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I saw Lita and thought, oh, she kind of looks like me. And I went and sat near her. And we just started talking. And come to find out we're both from the L.A. area. We mm-hmm. both are from single moms who are Middle Eastern. We both um, – there was another overlap there. But we became very close friends very quickly. Mm. And – we were partners at Meisner at NYU, and we had to. Re- I mean, we saw each other all the time. And like I felt. How was the culture at that school different from the culture you were coming oh from? Because it must have been. I mean, I talked to Lita about the same thing, but yeah. like, even just for a normal, like, white American kid to go from, like, a, their community in Orange County, mm-hmm. California, to, like, NYU acting school, like, mm-hmm. that in itself would be a culture shock. But for the two right. of you, I imagine there were, like, added dimensions. To I it. wasn't aware of, the, of that culture shock. Mm. What I was aware of was coming out of a very conservative Christian bubble. Right. And now being in New York City. That was, like, that was the culture <laughs> shock for me. 14th Street, <laughs> New York anarchy. <laughs> that was the culture shock that uh, that hit me. Well, there was nothing... I wasn't looking at anything racially yet. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, what was that like? We can talk about that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it really tested my faith. Yeah. And I... Look, okay, <laughs> I'm not asking anybody to agree with me. I'm not asking anybody to jump on my bandwagon. I happen to love Jesus very, very much, mm-hmm. and I believe that his gospel has made me brave mm. and allows me to be vulnerable. And it was through acting training that I realized what true Christianity is. True Christianity, true Christianity is understanding that regardless of the mess you feel you are there is grace available Mm. and you have the ability because of grace because of the sacrifice that of christ to get up and keep going Mm. that's what true christianity is it's not i'm better than you and it's not i'm right you're wrong i'm going to heaven you're going to hell right that's what I, I was raised in. That I was raised in. We're right; they're wrong. Yeah. And when I left to come to New York, everybody was like, "Well, you know, you're going to that den of sin, and you're going to that's where that's where the enemy is." Mm. And I was like, I, I I really feel like the the enemy is in your mind. Actually, the way that you're speaking to me right now, and it sounds like there's a lot of judgment. And I come from a very judgmental, very conservative Christian world. And what I found in New York is that. The Jesus I believe in loves every single person, Hmm. every race, every gender, every sexuality. I mean, everybody. And New York taught me that. 
My church did not teach me that. And how, how long of a learning curve was that? I mean, it's still happening now. Sure. But, like, but I mean in the context of your, your <clears throat> college experience. Maybe like probably the whole, the whole three years. Like yeah. I believe that as an actor, when it's really, really good, when you're watching somebody and it's really, really good and it's transcendent. Sure, <laughs> transcendent, yes. Um, it, they're not acting. It's their being, you know, and yeah, I teach one of my survival jobs is teaching at the the acting at this this kids program, and we literally. Oh, scream. can we talk about that later? Oh, absolutely. Okay, keep um, talking. Uh, you tell me about Barista Self. I'll tell you <laughs> Great. Uh, but we we literally Katie Capiello is like the head of the studio that I teach at. She literally <laughs> will just like start yelling like, "Stop acting! Stop <laughs> acting! I hate acting!" Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, you, yeah, exactly. So, I I think. To make the work, I hate saying that phrase, the work, mm. but to make the work good, you have to bring the innermost part of yourself to it. And the innermost part of myself is my relationship to my faith. Mm. So every character I play, I think about that character's relationship to his faith. And I was so afraid of bringing that to NYU mm. because I was told that it was anti-Christian. Right. And like, that's where the devil is. Yeah. And when I finally said to one of our acting teachers, when I say our, I mean mine and Lita's, mm-hmm. um, I was like, uh, I'm a Christian. And he was like, I know that. <laughs> He's like, I'm fully aware of that. He goes, why don't you use it more? Oh, interesting. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, that's very real for you. So you should use that. That's when like the, the worlds collided. Mm-hmm. And then, I also believe that the three things that make a really good actor, I think, are the same three things that make a really good Christ follower, mm-hmm. which are empathy. Because, I mean... Yeah, you're stepping into somebody else's shoes. I mean, Jesus was compassion. Jesus is compassion. Mm-hmm. And the actor's job is to, is to step into somebody else's shoes and analyze behavior without judgment. Mm-hmm. And say, why does this person behave the way that he, he or she behaves? Right. So empathy, a childlike spirit. The child, I mean, we both Playfulness. Know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the Bible talks about, Jesus says, let the children come to me. Because children have no problem running to love. Yeah. There's, um, and receiving love. This is uh, somewhat tangent. But uh, one of my favorite, I shout her out so much, especially when I coach, uh, when I teach. There's mm. this improviser. Her name's Jill Bernard. Mm. She's, in my opinion, top five living improvisers Mm. in the world. She runs Huge Theater in Minneapolis. Shout outs to Huge Theater. Um, She has a book that I have in my backpack right now that's like possibly my favorite acting book. Definitely my favorite improv book. Uh, But she has this whole section. It's like 30 pages long and it's in my opinion in 30 pages it does more as an acting book than like... Than all the other books. All the other books. Yeah. Uh, But there's this section in it um, uh that's I'm paraphrasing heavily, but basically the gist of it is like everything you everything you need you you already had when mm-hmm. you were four years old. Yes, that's everything you need. You've spent that's all this exactly time. True. You've spent all this time learning how to be a good member of society. And yay, good for you. That's awesome. Like congrats on paying your rent. Throw it out the window. Seriously, <laughs> that's really it's really hard to do that. Congrats on that. 
none of that bullshit will help you true in performance that's like, true none of that will help you like all the stuff that make you like a good polite member i think she uses she says something like you've learned how to uh, present yourself as the most boring version of yourself so people don't think you're a freak <laughs> that's exactly right but uh, at the end of the day like everything you needed you had when you were when you were that weird little kid yeah children i mean exactly and there are too many people who are presenting and in, in in my faith community there are too many people presenting the most boring parts of themselves to their creator mm. and the creator just doesn't care Creator knows everything, so why not bring all of your mess and get comfortable with all of your mess? Mm. That's what acting school taught. Like that, it's the weirdest thing. And then the third thing is servitude. Like the actor is the conduit to the director, writer, producer, the servant of the piece. Right. And in my life, I believe I'm. I have used the phrase "meat puppet," but continue. <laughs> <laughs> what is meat puppet? Uh, I just the, the way you the way you very eloquently and beautifully call the actor a, a conduit or a servant to the to the piece to the piece. Uh-huh. I think of it as like actors are meat puppets. We are told where to stand and what to say. And, that's true, and that's pretty much what we do. That's true. And then if you I mean, you know you go back, as I'm, I'm wrapping up the Christ thing, but you look up the the life of Christ. He was a hundred percent a servant, mm. and that's. You mean in like modern Christian? Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, sure. yes, it's missing big time, I'm, and it pisses me off. I'm with you, and I feel your energy. I mean, I'm, like it pit, at the risk. I mean, it pisses me the fuck off. How about that? Okay, like it makes yeah. me so angry that you call yours your savior is the one of the greatest servants that we have ever known historically. Hmm. And you cannot go and serve other people. You can't go serve other people that disagree with you. You can't go serve other people that make you feel uncomfortable. Mm. What's why not? Why? Yeah. Is your faith real? Then go do it. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I with. I mean, I'm a pretty. I'm a. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> call myself an atheist because that feels too finite. Yeah. Um, but I was raised. You know, both sides of my family are Catholic. Yeah. Um, but I was raised by. You know, two par- well, one parent, uh, but when he was alive, two parents who like kind of didn't really give a shit. Like we went to church, uh, and I went to CCD. Like it was like very CCD. Uh, it's a Catholic, like after school catechism thing. Basically, like it was like every Wednesday, somebody out there knows what CCD stands for. It's probably like Catholic Church Divinity. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but we we would go and like basically after. I'd go to public school. I'd go to Our Lady of Fatima and like take Jesus classes. Uh, I called them Jesus classes. They they are. (laughs) They are Jesus classes. Yeah. Uh, And it never really stuck with me. And then when my dad died, we just sort of stopped. How old were you? I was eight. I was eight. I was eight. Uh, a whole list of questions I'll ask you later. Oh, yeah, great. We'll, we need to hang yeah, out. Yes, we will. Um, (laughs) But we sort of stopped going. And we were already petering out by then. But like, Mm -hmm. I think. For my mom, my sister, and I, we were all like, eh, we, we, we don't really want to do this. So yeah. so faith and Christianity haven't had, I mean, Catholicism has its own sure, like volumes of like fucked up uh, Have you seen The Keepers? It. No. That's all. Is that period. the one on Netflix with the nun? Yes. With the eyes yes, crossed yes, out? Yes, I have to yes, watch yes, it. Yes, I have yes, to watch it. Is. But anyway, yeah, but like from a very young age, we were like, uh, we weren't really raised in the church. So faith hasn't uh, hasn't played that big of a role in my life. But mm. when I hear you talking about like in, in the context of an acting class of like uh, acknowledging your mess or playing from that from that truthful place, uh, I, I feel a really deep uh, connection with that. Totally. Totally. That's what people get Christianity and I mean, Christian leaders get Christianity so wrong. Sure. 
they get it so wrong. It's a it, it's about acknowledging the mess hmm. and giving it away to the sacrifice of perfection. Hmm. That's what it is. And and then and when you give the mess away and receive the sacrifice of the cross, you are given the grace to continue. Hmm. That's what Christianity is. Hmm. In my understanding, I mean, this isn't like a, a podcast about religion, but like... No, but I'm fascinated by this. You know... This is pretty much the only episode where we've gotten into religious stuff. Oh, there you go. Stuff. There you go. Um, I'm learning more and more about my faith every day. And like... Do you feel in, even now, mm. being in the New York artist circle, do you feel judged I hate for the your word faith? artist. Sorry, word artist, baby. Why do you hate the word artist? <laughs> That's fascinating. I don't feel like one. Oh. Because I make my bed every day and I have a calendar and I write stuff down and I have to-do lists and I cross them off. Why can't artists have those things? That's a great question. They probably can. Um, I... I I am an artist. You're a hundred percent. I know it feels like a weird word. I mean, yeah. it took me forever to be able to say out loud that I'm an actor. That's a, really, really a recent development. Yeah. Uh, Cause it felt in a very like first generation American way. It felt kind of like selfish um, or like self-indulgent. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, well, it's like when you go to Thanksgiving at somebody's house and like, what do you do? And you say, Oh, I'm an actor. And they go, no, but what do you really do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've been supporting myself as an actor and a teacher now for the past year or so. Yeah, I mean, I've said like three lines on TV shows and... Uh... Someone last night, I, <laughs> I was at dinner last night with a stranger and a friend. The stranger is now becoming, I guess, friendly. And and the second, he was like, oh, you're an actor, what have you done? I was like, well, I did a, I've done one television show that you've heard of. Everything else I've done, you've not heard of. He was exactly. like, oh, what's the TV show? And then I, I told him, yeah. and then all of a sudden I was like a god to him. Yeah. Like, it's, I wasn't before, and I am now. It's but It's such a fucked up... I agree. We're, the mentality towards... I was I forgot who I was talking to, to about this, but, like, the mentality towards actors is so insane, which is, like, it's one of the very few professions where you are referred to as aspiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are, like, there are no aspiring lawyers. There are, like, <laughs> law students. Uh, or, like, there are no aspiring doctors. They're, like, right. medical students or, like, interns or people doing fellowships and stuff. But we're described as aspiring actors... Uh, up until we get some arbitrary level of fame or notoriety, and yeah. then we are given way too much importance, <laughs> like way too much importance sure. in modern society. So it's this—it's a real mindfuck of just being like nobody cares about you until they care about you way too much. Yeah, like there's that's no true. Middle ground. I'm working on developing a course um, to teach at schools um, about separating your worth as a human from your skill as an actor. I could have used that. I mean, we all can. I'm, I, I mean, mean, I could still use that. We, I'm, me too. Uh, but someone who's been incredibly influential in that mindset for me is an, an actor, actor, actress, would, I don't know what she would say, probably actor, named Lisa Brescia, mm-hmm. who is, right now, she's Heidi Hansen in Evan, she's Evan's mom. Oh, cool. And she, uh, Rachel Bay Jones originated and, and, and Lisa came in to replace Rachel. And Lisa cares more about the health and success of the young actor than her own success. So much so that, I mean, she's played a lot of iconic roles on Broadway. She was Elphaba in Wicked. Mm-hmm. She was Donna Sheridan in Mamma Mia. She was in IE, like a lot of stuff. And she got to that. She's so incredibly well-balanced mentally. And she got to a place where she was like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done here. Mm-hmm. And... I'm going to go teach. So she went back to school, got an MFA, and then moved to Missouri to teach at Missouri wow. MSU. 
And then Evan Hansen calls and they said, we'd like you to come back. And she said, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but she's there now? She's there. Well, they offered her the standby. They said, come oh, back and stand it. by. And got she it, said, got it, got it. and this woman, full of her full of her power and full of the understanding of her worth, says, no, thank you. If you have something more substantial to offer me, let me know. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. I would, that's bad. I know. Isn't that? We love <laughs> Lisa Brescia. We love Lisa Brescia. As somebody who routinely travels an hour to audition for a, a part that goes like, sir, your water. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that sounds beautiful to me. Yeah. The, the idea of like uh, knowing your worth and standing up for it. Totally. Totally. Um, she has been very, very, very influential in me understanding that who I am bringing into the room in the audition, in the rehearsal room, on set, whatever, mm. is separate from whether or not I get the job hmm. or whether or not I do good. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really working on developing a curriculum that helps us yeah. understand that your worth and value as a human is not, is not in this business. Yeah. I think a lot of people in this city could, could use that for sure. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. But that's that's something that I've developed on, on the side is my how I sustain myself when I'm not acting is I, I do communication coaching, essentially, mm. um, where I help people understand how physical breath changes the way that they communicate. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I want to take your class. Okay. I'm more than happy to give it to you. I mean, I can give it to you for free. Um, <laughs> so that way you can tell people about it. Um but it's all based in very simple breath technique that you learn in a voice class mm. where you lay on the floor and you surrender your whole body to gravity and you just breathe in the center of your body. And I've the... taken one or two of those. Yeah, but it... I was such a – every – I mean, I never went to theater school. Right. But I've taken a few classes here and there. And every time I was in one of those, I was just the, like, shitty, jaded, like, future comedian who mm-hmm. would just, like, desperately want to undercut the thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. at every mm-hmm. opportunity. And that's, like, my – my guardedness. Hi, Sharon. Sharon, Sharon's my therapist. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I need to go back to... I need to find one of those. Um, anyway, so I started out as a, as a, as a voice and speech coach for mm. business people. And and that was, like, hard to get. I was, it was difficult to get people. Um, and then when I would finally get people as clients, mm-hmm. I, reali- I realized that the reason people don't project their voices physically... It's because they're not projecting their voices emotionally. There is an emotional block hmm. holding people from physically speaking up. Hmm. And so to get to someone physically speaking up, you have to go through all of the emotional stuff. And to go through all the emotional stuff, you have to learn how to breathe through it. Hmm. And so that's when I started to teach this kind of breath, not to project your voice, but to learn how to breathe through high stakes situations, yeah. whether with another person or with yourself. Yeah. How to breathe through those situations and tell the truth. Yeah, I love that. I run a yeah. similar I run a similar workshop with my kids and I sometimes do it with adults that's uh, all about uh, failure. Mm. Uh, and what how your evolutionary brain kicks in whenever you feel pressure. Mm-hmm. But that's much more in a in a performance context than a like standard communication context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I find that stuff fascinating. Yeah, it's I mean it's the only I think it's one of the only ways I found 
that I can sustain myself in this city is hmm. learning how to breathe through high-stakes situations. <laughs> yeah. Every day is a high-stakes <laughs> situation. Yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're sort of winding down on time. So let's. I, I like to end on this question sometimes, and mm-hmm. this has already been like a very profound one. Uh, so the if, question is profound. No, the episode has been. I don't ah. know. I don't, the the question sometimes goes that way. Uh, <laughs> Forgive my ah. <laughs> such like a theater ah. Oh, uh, uh, so if I so if instead of me sitting here. Uh, yeah, I, I think I can tell this one's gonna get deep. Uh, so if instead of sit- me sitting here, like, uh, let's say 12 year old Raji was sitting here, yeah. still like living in California, like doing plays, kind of unsure of himself, like, what would you say to him? And while you think, I will very loudly take a sip of this iced coffee. Um, I would look him square in the face and I'd say, it's okay. I'd say, it's okay. You know, it's okay to feel what you're feeling. It's okay to be the outsider. It's okay that your father didn't treat you the way that he was supposed to. It's, it's okay that most of your friends are girls and not guys. It's okay that you don't like sports. It's okay you like to act. I would just look him in the face and say, it's okay. Yeah. My God, I don't even, I don't have any way to, <laughs> I don't have any way to follow that up. That was beautiful. That's the truth. That's the truth. I hope I didn't amb- ambush you with that. No, it's fine. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not going for beauty. I understand it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going for like the profound thing to sure. say. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the truth. That's the truth. And I have to say that to 29-year-old Raji. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to say that to, to me, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could ramble, but I don't want to. I don't think I should. We'll have coffee. We'll have coffee. And we'll talk about coffee and other things. Yes, yes, yes. And teaching and stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh, is there anything we haven't touched on that you want to before before we dip? Or anything you want to plug? Do you want to pl- plug the talk show? Oh, yeah. Okay, so my roommate, Devin Flynn Perot, and one of our best friends, Danielle Beckman, and I produce a show called Making Brews and Paying Dues. And it's about, um, we talk to industry professionals about how they pay their dues to get to where they are and if they ever, if you ever really stop paying your dues. Mm. And we've had Stacey London from TLC's What Not to Wear. <laughs> uh, we just released an episode with Yorma Taccone from The Lonely Island. Hey. Hey. Uh, we have a lot of cool Broadway people. And very soon, if we can work out the schedule, <laughs> we're going to have Lucy Arnaz, who is the daughter of Lucille Ooh. Ball and Jesse Arnaz. Holy shit. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Big get. Lucy is the best that's amazing and where can where can people find it YouTube (laughs) (laughs) so tell them because my mom's friends need clarity oh what do they search on YouTube you can search making brews and paying dues and follow Raji on everything support him Venmo him randomly (laughs) Randomly, someone did that I've I've gotten random Venmo not random Venmos but like people who are like acquaintances yeah people who are like acquaintances (laughs) shut up Sorry. <laughs> voice teacher doing impressions of oh, me. Oh, well. Uh, but, like, uh, every so often I'll post some fucking, like, quasi-emo Facebook joke about how broke I am. Yes, and, and, then, and I then, did that. And, and then, then somebody will Venmo me $10 and be like, I get a coffee. Yeah, exactly. Someone Venmoed me, Venmoed me 50 Woo! I know. And I was like, are you kidding? This is so amazing. I actually really needed this. And she's like, here's 50 more. Who these, is this friend? Can you introduce me? <laughs> yeah, happy to. Uh, these people that have real jobs have know, real money. I know. Oh, wow. I, I'm. You, I mean, I was talking to you before we started recording. I'm in the midst of like I, I really should get a real job. 
I mean, face. Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Thank yeah, you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Uh, Raji, say something funny or interesting. Something funny or interesting. Something funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll do this in 30 seconds. When I was I was in a creative writing course. Oh, my God. You, you, say, yes. you, you said you love yeah. to undercut things. So do I. Um, I was in a creative writing course at, at Long Beach City College. In Long Beach, I call it Long Beach City College. And all of these people thought they were God's gift to creative writing. And every mm-hmm. every week we had to bring, a, bring in a poem. And this they always brought in these, like, these seven-page epic poems about how like the size of their genitals couldn't satisfy the lover. And I was like, <laughs> what's wrong with you people? You're 18. So I wrote a poem about farts. And it went like this. There was a man who needed to fart, and he realized his fart was art. So he took off his pants, and he backed up with a glance to the canvas that would set him apart. And then when I applied to NYU, the NYU application said, write a poem that best describes you. So I put that poem on the application. Wow. And then I got accepted. That's interesting, right? That's amazing. That's so much better. I usually ask that as an ambush just so someone says something dumb that I can... Don't ask me questions because I'll keep talking. You should end no, the show. No, that's amazing. I, if anybody out there, and I do teach a lot of kids who want to go to NYU, if the lesson learned, yeah. if you're applying to NYU and they ask you to write a poem, write just it. like disregard the assignment and write something dumb and funny. Always throw out the rules. In every situation in life, throw out the rules and be true to yourself. Period. Yes. If the law is don't murder, throw out the rules. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. And that's it for this week's episode of La Mezcla. Thank you so much to Raji Hassan for coming in. Thank you so much to Adlarge Studios for having me here. To shoutouts Carly Hogendyke and Authentic Literary and Talent Management for uh, hooking the show up with the space. Thank you to you for listening and subscribing. Please uh, spread the word about the show. Uh, we have new and exciting things coming up uh, that I will not spoil right now, but we'll probably spoil in the next uh, episode or two. So please uh, smash that like button, as people say. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why that's a saying, but smash that like button. <laughs> and you can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram at La Mescla Pod on both platforms. And make sure to leave a review on our iTunes page uh, because that should actually make a big, big difference. And if you or someone you know might be a good fit for the show, uh, feel free to uh, feel free to reach out on Instagram. Uh, that is where I'm fielding most uh, interview requests. This is very rambly, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, put this one out of its misery. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you next time.